you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. Friends of the Word, guests, I am via Skype speaking with Bishop Christopher Coyne from the Diocese of Burlington, Vermont, via Skype, and we are very grateful to technology. And I think the focus of our chat today and the subsequent chats is going to be the use of technology in Christian evangelization. Bishop, I am honored that you agreed to this interview. Good morning, Louis. It's good to be talking to you as well. Thank you. Um, I want to start right from scratch. Maybe um, when I contacted you, it was because you had written an article or an article was written about you in America Magazine from October of 2016. Uh, at that point, you were speaking about uh, the role of nurturing the seed of faith in a distracted society. And um, in your homily, in your presentation, you talked about preaching, the technology, and how did you get involved with that concept? Well, I, I, I was um, a teacher in St. John's Seminary in Brighton, Massachusetts for 12 years full-time and then three years part-time. And um, part of my classwork was the uh, preaching and homiletics courses, as well as the liturgy courses. So I've done a lot of research, a lot of writing, a lot of teaching on just the, the act of preaching itself. And then uh, over time, I became, I was also a bit of a, 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 of a Apple uh, computer geek. Oh, good. Uh, I have a very good friend who's a priest who's um, much more advanced in these things than I am. And so working with him, I began to get very involved with, uh, you know, with getting a, a, a small digital presence early on, uh, writing a personal blog, um, doing some work with the, when I became a pastor, working my parish uh, webpage. Uh, working on different ways of communicating with folks through using the web page, through emails, through the blog. And that's kind of just morphed into all kinds of different things. Um, when I was made uh, an auxiliary bishop for Indianapolis for four years, I took all that with me, but I then um, kind of began to engage people more on Facebook. And uh, I, would, uh, I also had a Twitter account, which I still have all those accounts, which uh, are slaved together. So when I post on Facebook, like it goes out as a tweet. Yes. And, um, so I, I, I found that I was engaging a certain uh, demographic uh, online through the use of digital media that uh, gave a kind of an immediacy and an intimacy that uh, I might not have had as a bishop uh, mm. with people. Um, so it just became part of the work that I do. Uh, I did a lot, I've done a lot of uh, podcasts, which I don't do as much anymore mm -hmm. uh, for time reasons of time more than anything else and all that. But um, you know, now that I'm in my own diocese, we have a pretty. We're building a pretty substantial social media, digital media presence. Um, I have a social media person now on staff. I have 
our, our Vermont Catholic magazine is going gone to a weekly format. We also have uh, digital pages and digital pr uh, and print pages that go to the parish bulletins every week. Those types of things. So it's a made. It's just kind of communication. Really, I mean, if if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had this technology, who knows where the church would be today? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's got its pluses, but it also has its some um, minuses too. So uh, I mean, we could, uh, as we talk along, we can kind of unpack that a little bit. The, Good. Uh, positively, uh, the numbers that you can attract through a daily posting um, tend to run about five or six thousand. You know, if, uh, if posting, post excuse me, posting via your blog or the Twitter? Uh, Twitter, Facebook. Okay. Facebook. I don't know how many Facebook followers I have. I know I've got a lot. <laughs> uh, right. I don't pay attention. I'm not into statistics. I'm not in, inside baseball, but. Right. Uh, but you know, every once in a while, there'll be something rather poignant that I'll post on post on Facebook or something different, and you know, you'll see it get hit by twenty five, twenty seven thousand, you know, mm. uh, likes or, or contacts. Whatever. Right, so, right, right. Uh, I just look at it as well. Those there's a group of people that are seeing something positive and, and good and um, from the church. Back. Right. So, what, what is your what is your Facebook uh, address? Because it's just Bishop Coin, one word. Very good. And uh, your other um, addresses, the blogs and, and Twitters? Twitter is Bishop Coin. It's at Bishop Coin. Facebook's at Bishop Coin. Uh, my, um, my Instagram account's Bishop Coin. It's all, I try good. to be very consistent. Simple. I've got my, I've got my, I've, I bought all of the bishopcoin.org, bishopcoin.com, bishop, you know, so I bought all those. I only use the bishopcoin.org. Org, I think, is the one that I use for my blog and stuff. But. Great. And do you do you have any of your homilies on online? I'll put out um, the ones for the big events, ordinations, chrism mass, uh, Easter Sunday, uh, those types of things. A lot of times, my homilies are um, prepared in outline form rather than written form. Right. So uh, I, you know, I have a, I have a sense of what I'm going to say, but I don't have it in printed text. To, I easily post, but I suppose I could, you know, video or or, or just simply um, record what I'm what I'm saying on and post that. When, but I I don't normally do that. When you agreed to this interview, uh, we had invited you onto our site. Were you able to go onto our site at all, friends I, of the world? I haven't, um, but that's not because I uh, I have any reason not to. It's just I'm. You know, I was away last week giving a retreat, and I got back this week, and it's just, you know. Oh, sure, you have a schedule. <laughs> and that's, because you had mentioned um, homilies in your in your article in, in America, and I was, and ch I'm challenged by your um, words, because I think my homilies might be too long, and maybe someday you'll get a chance to listen to one of them. Uh, based on your input, um, the homilies should be, well, the end and the beginning should be close to the middle, and it should be not that long. Um, how long do you preach when you preach an average Sunday homily? My homilies tend to average eight to ten minutes, maybe around more towards the eight okay. um, minute mark. But if I have a big event uh, like a chrism mass or a oh, Sunday or uh, ordination, you know, in this. Uh, seven type double space pages. I know seven double space pages for me is 12 to 15 minutes. Um, I know that four pages is about 10, is about uh, eight minutes, you know, double space. Right, right. So that's, that's the way I kind of gauge it. I, as I said, 
what I taught at the seminary. There's, there's no hard rule for how long a homily or a sermon should be. The rule should be, what time do you need to make your point? What is the single treasure that you want the people to take away? What are you asking them to do with mm -hmm, it? Mm -hmm. uh, and also, I mean, uh, first of all, who's the hero of the homily? Jesus Christ. Of course. Always. But uh, what do you, what's the single point that you need to make? And whatever you need to do in a good way to help your community hear the message of, of the good news and take it with them to spread the good news, then that's how long your homily should be. Uh, I, as I said in the article in America, and as I, as I said to students over and over, is you have to think in blocks when you prepare your homily. You have to think in like two-minute blocks, two-and-a-half-minute blocks, that you're doing something to shift your audience's attention and to keep their attention because people are distracted today. Uh, yeah, right. They're not used to, it's not that they're not capable of, it's just that they're not used to being called upon to watch and pay attention to something for more than three minutes at a time. I mean, look at how many people, even when they're watching television at home, are picking up their phones and looking at for, for emails or something like that. So I think if um, what I try to do is I try and change the channel a little bit. So if I, if I start off with a story or, or I start off by drawing people's attention to the scripture passage or the day, I'll then... And I know that in about two and a half minutes into it, I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to change my voice inflection. I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to uh, shift, say, uh, you know, that reminds me of a story. That Just using that phrase. Great, or great. even the call and response kind of things where you say to people, you know what I'm talking about? You, know, you understand what I'm saying here? And then, you know, start. And you get responses, right, head, and right, start moving right. Their head. Or they'll look at you and they'll go, no, we don't know what you're talking about. So I think... Um, it's more a matter of technique. If you watch um, some of the great television uh, preachers, tell me if I'm going on too long. No, 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 we're, we're good, we're good. If you watch some of the great televangelists, like uh, uh, Joel Osteen, right. you watch him, um, just set aside the message of prosperity gospel he puts out, because that's a different right. whole ballgame. But you watch him, and you watch how he moves around that podium, and you watch how he changes his uh, speeches, and you watch how he shifts, shifts in little jokes or little asides or little stories, but they always have something to do with the point he's making. Yes. He is, he, those televangelists, for the most part, the ones that are really successful, are good about that, about keeping their audience's attention by constantly reframing and shifting gears in the middle of the talk so as to, as a technique, that's great. Not that not that's driving uh, the technique's not the story, right? But right. it drives the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think of um, McLuhan. The message is is the the media. Is the, the, the media is the message exactly. And you're talking about the media, and we'll talk about different messages. Olstein versus uh, Catholicism. Do you do you educate? I know you you taught homiletics. Do you educate your priests now um, once in a while with the retreat or? Topic being yeah. preaching? We actually, um, beginning in September, entered into a year of preaching. So we're working as a presbyterate to improve our preaching. Because um, when you ask our people in the parish, what, are your, what do you like about your parish and what, do you, what are your concerns, the, the main concerns that you get are bad music yes. and bad preaching. Yes, yes, yes. We like our pastor. We like our preacher. He's a really good guy. We, we love him. But man, sometimes the preaching is really bad and the music is bad. So... Uh, we have set ourselves as a presbyter to the goal of improving our preaching. So we spent two days in September at our priest retreat where we talked about just the act of preaching, like just like I'm doing now. Right. And then um, 
we just had a, a, a an Advent retreat day in which we talked about who am I as the preacher, and so uh, the Lenten retreat again is going to be focused on the act of the act. The the we haven't got our person in to talk yet, but we're going to focus again once on the act of preaching in the homily. Excellent. Um, Do you so, have re receptivity from your priests? Yes, uh, they Good. were they really really liked um, what was shared with them in September for the, they, that it was one of the best two days that they've had you know, great, coming together. Great, great. We had a lot of dialogue, a lot of conversation. They were given a little bit of, um, of homework to do before they got there. Um, and they, you know, to bring it, they had a series of three questions that they were asked to answer before they got there. And then we kind of had a lot of sharing and a lot of conversation. Excellent. excellent. So um, hopefully that will help. I mean, when, when we call people back to our churches, we need to make sure they're getting nourished. Yes, and, yes, yes. Uh, um, and fed. And that involves a really making an effort to preach well. Beautiful, because I, that, that is our problem, I think, as a church. And I think Pope Francis realizes that because he often talks about the need for priests to preach correctly. And, and I like what he recently said, a priest has to look into the eyes of his parishioners as he's preaching. And that, I think, is really, really um, a rapport, whether it's physically looking into the eyes or knowing who the people are that you're preaching to. Right, and I think, as I, I always said, you also, also have to have the mirror in front of yourself because you, the worst thing that you can do as a preacher is say, you people. Oh, God, no. I mean, um, excuse me, but no. Or, or all of you. You have to say us. us. Good, we, good. We all okay. struggle with sin. We all need to grow in God's love, you know, myself included, especially those types of things. I stand with you, walking with you. Beautiful. You know, Damien and Molokai's famous story about how his preaching shifted from when he used to preach. When he became a leper himself, he said, he no longer said, you lepers, he said, we lepers. Wow, that's great. And how that's that, great. You know, his whole preaching changed then. And the message, but the way he was received changed more than anything else. Absolutely. Know? I like the fact that Jesus is always the, I mean, there's no secret here, but that was your emphasis too. Jesus is always the message. Yeah, you know, I, again with the students, and it's uh, it sometimes happens. Uh, preach Jesus first before you preach the church. Preach the church, but of course. always preach Jesus Christ first before you preach the church, before you preach the saints. If we preach the Blessed Mother, always recognize that Mary points us to Christ, those types of things. Who is the hero of your homily? And at the end, it better have been, it should hopefully have landed on Jesus Christ. That's good. Uh, Bishop, we're going to stop now and we'll pick up again. Uh, so the focus of today, this first interview, is preaching. You want to summarize any, or include anything else before we go on to our next segment about preaching? Um, no, I, I think I would just encourage your listeners to uh, be forthcoming in giving positive feedback and maybe a little advice to your priests and your deacons as they go along. Uh, they can't improve if they don't know uh, what works and what doesn't work. Exactly. Whenever um, someone says to me at the end of a Mass, oh, Father, that, that was a really great homily, or that, that really spoke to me, I always say, don't thank me, thank the Holy Spirit. I just opened my mouth. <laughs> and, well, and of I course, spent say, a week preparing, but... <laughs> I always say, don't thank me, thank the deacon. He's the one who preached. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop Coyne, thank you so much, and we're going to pick up again our second interview. I really appreciate your word and your education teaching us, the audience, especially the priests of who are watching, how to preach and who to preach, Jesus Christ. God bless you. And this has been Father Louis Skirty with Friends of the Word interviewing Bishop of Burlington, Vermont, Bishop Christopher Coyne. Thank you.
You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too. And with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus. Made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.